So we're starting a new series today, and um, here's the deal. It's going to be a lot of information. Uh, we're going to be talking about something. Maybe if you, when you walked in, you're pro- you did not expect that we would talk about this. We're in a series called Counterfeit, and really what we're going to be dealing with is the reasons we believe what we believe and how what we believe is probably different than what you even grew up with. Um, and, and really, as millennials have come through and now we have Gen Z and all that, the conversation has changed. It's not the same conversation. It's not the same thing that we've talked about. In fact, I remember I was talking to my dad and he's saying, well, you just have to talk about this and this. And I'm like, no, it, it's much more than that. Because today with technology and all these things, when you don't want to believe in something, you go on YouTube and you find other people that will tell you the same thing. There, there's a lot more knowledge. There's a lot more, there's more stuff out there that would cause us to start to move away from these things. And let me just say, I don't have a degree in anything that I'm talking about. I'll just say that right off the bat. But I've read a lot of, who, of people that do have those degrees. Um, and I'm going to try to do my best to help you understand both sides of this. Because it, it's really changed. No longer is it just a natural thing. I mean, it's funny to me. I almost laugh when people say that America is a Christian nation. I'm like, really? Like, you still can say that with like a straight face? Like, you believe that and you watch the news? But uh, the question now is, it, it's not what type of faith. It's do we even believe in God? I mean, do we even believe in God? Some people say yes, but they don't live like it. Some people say no, but at the same time, there's like this hope that there is a God there. There's something more there. And the question is, do we even need religion right now? Uh, There's more Americans than ever that are going away from religion. It's not that atheism is incredibly attractive. It's not that they look at atheism and they're like, that's what I want. It's just that religion has become less and less attractive. And many people believe religion is the problem. And it's a surge that kind of started at a date that many of you were too young to remember, uh, but was a date that was, you know, it's tomorrow is 9-11. And 9-11, when it happened, it's actually my wife's birthday. That's another reason to feel bad for her, is like it was her birthday and then that happened and she's like, so do we still get balloons? No, you don't. That's not on that day. And so 9-11 happened and what happened after that, and everybody knew this was going to happen, the next week after that, churches were full. Like East over Easter level, uh, Christmas level, like they were full. The week after that, they were full. Then the week after that, it just died again. It went right back down to where it was before. And then there was this thing that started creeping up. There's this anti-religious sentiment that started creeping up. And what people thought it was going to be is like this anti-Islam, but it wasn't just anti-Islam. It was an anti-religion as a whole. And the first guy to really break through that barrier was a guy named Sam Harris. Now, Sam Harris wrote a book called The End of Faith. And when he wrote that book, he went to 12 different publishers and not one of them would touch it. Not one of them wanted a book that was anti-Christian at a time after 9-11. They're like, if you want to do an anti-Islam book, that's fine. But anything that's like anti-Christian, they didn't want. So we went to 12 different publishers. They said, no, it finally went through. And then it spent 33 weeks on the top of the New York Times bestseller list. And then what happened was Christians went after Sam Harris. It was like, how dare you say this? How dare you do these things? So he wrote a follow-up called Letter to a Christian Nation where he explained, he goes, Christians, stop, stop thinking you're so awesome. It's not Islamists. You're the problem also. And then there's this other guy named Richard Dawkins, which many of you have heard of. He came out with a book called The God Delusion. And this book was very much like what he wanted was this. He said, I want people, if this book works as I intend, religious readers will open it. And by the end, they'll be atheists when they put it down. And it sold over 3 million copies. People were eating this up. And the last one is is a guy named Christopher Hitchens. He came out with a book called God is Not Great. 
It says religion poisons everything. And these guys became hits. These guys were on all college campuses. These guys were all over the place, YouTube sensations. Like they were doing all kinds of things and people were listening and their entire idea was very simple. Religion is the problem. Religion is the problem. And what we didn't see, we didn't see this huge surge in atheism, but it was something that started to creep up. And what happened over time, the generation that was raised in that started to check off a box that was different from everyone else. See, they started checking off the box when they asked, what's your religious preference? They said none. And so that started to grow. In fact, in America now, it's grown so much. It's 23% of the population is a nun. And so it's N-O-N-E, not N-U-N. That'd be very different. It's like, wow, 23% of people are becoming nuns? That's insane. No, they're none, meaning no religious affiliation. It means I don't believe in these things. I, I don't know what I believe, but I don't believe in God. For some of you in here, you, you were forced in here. Your friend's like, hey, uh, come on. I, and they didn't tell you what this was. And you're like, oh, crap, it's a church. Like some of you right now, you know what you are now. You're like, I'm a nun. I, I'm an N-O-N-E, nun. And, and so the thing is, though, it's millennials. Millennials, it's over 35 to almost 40% of the millennial population is considered a nun. Millions of millennials have decided that when they look at church, when they look at religion, when they look at God, they see something that's no longer attractive to it. It's not that atheism is incredibly, incredibly attractive. It's not like this idea of not believing in something is great. It's just that religion has lost its appeal. And here's what I believe. I believe that it's a lot of these people are people that grew up in the church. And many of you know people like that are in this situation who grew up in the church, but when they grew up when they left the church, when they went to college, when they went to jobs, they left religion because it no longer appealed to them. And I believe much of the fault is on the church. And I'm not saying Grace Family Church, but I'm saying the church as a whole, because I believe this, a lot of what we have taught and a lot of the ways we have gone as a Christian community in the United States has been wrong. In fact, I believe it's been a counterfeit version of God that's lost its appeal. And here's why I say that. Here's why I say that, because when you look in the New Testament and you see Jesus, Jesus was incredibly attractive to everyone. In fact, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. Like the people that you wouldn't think Jesus would get along with, the people that were considered the worst sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, all these things, all the people that you would say Jesus is not going to hang out with, all of them loved Jesus. There was something about him that was attractive so I believe this. I believe the reason people are walking away from the church at such a high rate, walking away from God at such a high rate, even some of you, you're in here right now and you're like, I don't think I believe in this, is because the God that you believe in is not the right version of God. I think you've got the wrong version of Jesus. In fact, you see this so much. Deconversion stories have become such a a big thing. In fact, there's podcasts and YouTube channels just about deconversion stories where people go out and they say, I used to be a Christian. This is why I'm not anymore. I've had tons of parents come to me and they go, Hal, please talk to my student. I was in student ministry for 13 years. Please talk to them. Ask them, why, why is this happening? And what happens is when I listen to these deconversion stories, I see this. I don't believe any of them have to do with actual biblical New Testament Christianity. It's always something that kind of happens in there. Many times it's a tragedy. Sometimes it's slow. And a lot of times what they do is I, they always say, I don't believe in God. But I'm like, well, tell me your version of God. And they do. And I'm like, I don't believe in that one either. I don't believe in that one either. And they're like, wait a second, but you have to. You're a pastor. I'm like, yes, I do believe in God. But the one you're talking about is not the one that we serve. 
And so I, I believe this. We, we're going to start a conversation today. Um, this is going to be a several weeks thing. We're going to be talking about this. I wanna, I, it's, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you are in this place right now and some of you aren't. If you're not in a place right now where you're doubting, you will be. Everyone does. And when we doubt, we have to get to a point where we understand what it is we believe. But also today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about what happens when we step away from God. When we step away from God. Because I, I want you to understand this. You can't move away from something without moving towards something. Okay? You can't move away from something without moving towards something. And many people today that say that there are none, they're like, I don't believe in God, but they don't understand what they're moving towards. Because when you're moving towards atheism, a lot of people think it's just a disbelief. But according to Hitchens and Dawkins and all these guys, atheism is not just something that's a simple disbelief in God. It's actually a complex belief system that logically leads to some unsettling conclusions. And so this is not from me. This is from the people who are atheists. And let me just say this. Just because something is unsettling doesn't mean it's not true. Just because something is unsettling doesn't mean it's not true. For example, who your ex is dating right now. It's unsettling. Doesn't mean it's not true. The fact that you're on this earth and what your parents had to do to make you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just did that. I just wanted to prove. Just because it's unsettling. And some of you are like, why did you have to put that? Just because it's unsettling doesn't mean it's true. It's the same thing for Christianity, though. Many times people look at the Bible and they go, well, there's some unsettling things there. That's why I don't believe. And as if I can move away from God, there's not the other side. So my, my goal today is not to convince you that atheism is wrong. My goal today is to help you understand that when you step away from God, when you step away from him, you're stepping towards something. You're stepping, stepping towards something you may not understand. And the, my hope today is, is not to convince you of something, but to get you that kind of like that, huh, like that, I didn't realize that. So today we're going to look at six conclusions of atheism, six maybe things that are unsettling that you may not have thought of. And the first one is this. It's the illusion of mind. Here's what this means. If there is no God, if there is no God, there is no you. There's no you in there. If we live in a world governed by biology, chemistry, physics, there's no you. I, it's hard to understand this, and, and it was one in one of Hitchens' books, this guy named Christopher Hitchens, who I talked about earlier, he decided to write a book um, towards the end of his life. He was dying of esophageal cancer. And he decided to write this book called Mortality and kind of do these last days of an atheist kind of deal. Because you see a lot of people write books at the end. You know, it's more of that conversion story. But he wanted to write a book of his last days as an atheist. And so he's writing this book. And in one of the chapters, he talks about how his doctors are constantly saying this. They're saying, your body is failing. Your body is fighting off disease. Your body is doing these things. And he says, he goes, one time I finally had to stop them and say this. He goes, I don't have a body. I am a body. I don't have a body. I am a body. See, in a world that is governed by, by physics and chemistry and biology, we don't have a body. We are a body. We don't have a mind. There is no you there. But to think about that for a second, like how do you even live that way? Like if you wanted, okay, I'm going to go out today. I'm going to live like I am just biology. That, you can't even think about even living that way. 
So if he is right and there is no God, the uncomfortable conclusion is there is no you. Now the second one kind of goes along with this. If there is no God, there's an illusion of free will. There's no free will. In a world without God, there's no free will, which means this. Every decision you made today, what you decided to eat, what you decided to do, the fact that you decided even to wake up or to come here or to go to work or not go to work or to act like you're sick, whatever it may be, every decision you made wasn't real. It was just your biology, your chemistry making that decision. So you actually don't have any free will. Who you are is controlled by science. Sam Harris has a podcast called Waking Up with Sam Harris. And he, he talked about in one of it, he goes, you know, he was so angry about all the Christians that misquote him and, and say this and that. And he's, he's getting mad about it. He's kind of ranting about it. And at one point he stops and he kind of laughs and chuckles to himself. And he goes, but I can't get mad at them because they don't have a choice. He goes, it's not like they have a choice in the matter. Because what he wants you to understand, and he actually wrote a book called Free Will, is that every decision that you've ever made is an illusion. Every decision that you've ever made is this has already been determined. Stephen Hawking, who was a brilliant, brilliant man, believed in something called determinism, which is the idea that everything will happen because it's already determined. But he said in a lecture called, in his lecture called Black Holes and Baby Universes, he said this, he said, I have noticed that even people who claim that everything is predestined and that we can do nothing to change it, look before they cross the road. He goes, he said, everything is determined. He actually said this, he goes, Everything is determined. Therefore, if everything is determined, then nothing matters. Nothing matters. But imagine just trying to live this way. It's unlivable. It's unlivable just to live as biology because if you just tried it for one day, just to live as biology, you would then get locked up by other biology and lose the freedom you never had. Like that's the way it would work. We don't have that ability to live that way, just to look at people as if there is no mind, there is no soul. So if you decide God's not in the picture, then free will is an illusion. Now this next conclusion is the one that I struggle with the most. It's the illusion of value. See, we believe value is a thing. It's not something that you can just, you know, I have a box of value, but it's something that we, we quantify. It's something that we decide. It's every decision we make is made off of value, the value of people in our lives, the value of the work that we do, the value of these decisions. But if it's up to atheism, there is no actual value. There's just ascribed value, value that your biology decides is there because you need it. That there is no value. And the problem with not having value is something that affects us all, and that's justice. Because with no value, justice is just what we want it to be. With no value, justice is just what we want it to be. Now, let me explain this. It's not uncommon common nowadays to say, I have my own truth, you have your own truth, right? You have my, your truth, I have my truth, that's fine. Don't put it on me, I don't put it on you. Um, don't, don't make me believe your truth. I have mine, you have yours. You will never hear someone say, I have my justice, you have ju your justice. I won't force my justice on you, you won't force it on me. Because when it comes to justice, we want you to bend to what it is that we think is right. Because it's based on value. The problem is when we get rid of God, 
We just have biology, chemistry, and physics, and there's no room for value. When you look at these things, these three things, free will, value, when you, when you look at all of this together and you think, how could you even live that way? It's not even possible to have a conversation living in that way, but it's something that if you take steps away from God, you're moving towards this. Now, the next three are things that you've already heard before, things that, but I just want to go over them really quickly. Conclusion number four is something came from nothing. Something came from nothing, meaning before, which you can't use the word before because there was no time, but at the moment of the Big Bang, you had, you had time, you had matter, you had laws of physics, laws of all these things coming into play all of a sudden, and then it was made. But before that, there was no before because there was no time, but there was something that came from absolutely nothing. And this is a hard one to come to. In fact, Richard Dawkins said it this way. He said, cosmology is waiting for its Darwin. He's like, cosmology is waiting for its darn because right now we don't have a good explanation. We don't have a good explanation. We can't definitely say this is how it was done. And not only does something come from nothing, but conclusion number five is first life emerged from no life with no help. First life emerged from no life with no help. And this is one of those problems. I think you guys know this. The further you are from a problem, the easier it seems. Like, you ever gone to a friend and said, I've got a problem? They're like, tell me what it is. And you tell them, you're like, that's easy. Just do this. And you're like, no, <laughs> no. If I did that, I would die. Like, that's not going to happen. You can't get further from a problem than first life. And what we can do and what you see is, oh, billions upon billions of years, then it makes it simple. The problem is there is no simple life. There's not. There's just simpler life. Even the very first life was incredibly complex. The first life went from lifeless matter to the digital elegance of DNA. And what we've got to be able to say is if you're moving towards that is the belief that our life came from no life. And then the last conclusion is natural selection is responsible for all life after first life. In the book, The God Delusion, Richard Dawkins was kind of, he was trying to explain natural selection. He was trying to bring some light to it. He wanted people to understand this is what we believe. But when he gave his explanation, it almost sounds like someone almost making fun of it, but it's his way of trying to bring some life to it. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and read from the God delusion and let you hear what he says it is. But he says, it says, think about it on one planet and possibly only one planet in the entire universe. Molecules that would normally make nothing more complicated than a chunk of rock gather themselves together in the chunks of rock-sized matter of such staggering complexity that they are capable of running, jumping, swimming, flying, seeing, hearing, capturing, and eating other such animated chunks of complexity, capable in some cases of thinking and feeling and falling in love with yet other chunks of complex matter. We now understand essentially how the trick is done. Like that last line was like, oh, we, we understand it now, right? But, it, but it's, it's like he's going, these chunks of matter. It's like the most simple form of life became the most complex form of life by natural selection. Here's the hard part. And, and those of you that have, have done a lot of science classes and stuff, it's hard to explain natural selection without sounding like there's some sort of smart, unnerving specific force behind it pushing it forward. It's very hard to look at where we are right now and the complexity of it and believe it all happened by chance. Now here's the truth. We talk about these six things. And my guess is this, nobody 
read these six things and went, atheism's for me. Like, no, nobody did that. Nobody was read these books or went through these things. Nobody that was in the church before was like, yes, this is the reason I am becoming atheist. No, we, we know this. It's something that's much more personal. It's something that's there. In fact, when I talk to people, it starts off with all these things. And many of you, you may have gone back to your parents and because at this point in life, you've learned way more than they have on this subject and you talk at them and they don't know what to answer and they just go, well, will you just come with me on Mother's Day? And so you do that, but it's like you found these reasons, but all these reasons, all of these things aren't really what the root of the problem is. There's some point there where the God that you believed in let you down. The God that you thought you understood wasn't there, and your version of God lost its appeal. Your version of Christianity became unsettling. In fact, I believe this, though. I, I think people that move away from God, they move towards atheism, but at the same time, there's like this hope that they could get a glimpse that there is a God, and they just missed it. You see, I think it has more to do with losing your faith in God than having faith in what we talked about today. So, guys, what I'm going to talk about next week, do not miss it. Next week, we are talking about the gods that never existed. And here's what this is. We're going to be talking about the gods that your parents talked about, that the people around you talked about, that they gave you an idea of who God was, that wasn't real, but sounded good at the time, that made you feel better. But when you grew up, and real life happened, that God no longer worked. And I'll be honest with you, many of the ones we are talking about next week, I've dealt with, I've thought about. It's the same ones that we go, but wait a second, when this happened, how did this go on? It's the God that your, that your mom gave you to help you deal with someone dying in your life. Said, so, oh, God's doing this, or God may be this. The problem is, the problem is, and this whole series is called Counterfeit, is when we create counterfeit gods, when it comes into play, there's nothing there. In the same way with atheism, what is atheism? It's just nothing. It's none of this matters. Nothing, nothing is good. Nothing is great. It's just something that we're doing in this world. When we accept a God that is not the God that we should serve, we're settling for a counterfeit that doesn't have power, that is not real, and doesn't give us purpose. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15, we get that up on the screen. It says this, it says, And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Here's the deal. From the moment Jesus died on the cross, there have been people trying to take Christianity and mold it into what they want it to be. There have been people that have taken God and taken parts that they liked and then added other sides to it. And even in your own life, there have been parts of God that have been added in, but the moment you go through tragedy, the moment you see the world as it is, that God doesn't hold up. It becomes a counterfeit in that moment. Because this is going to be a series, really, I, I hope you can think through it. Um, we're going to have it on the podcast. I will send you my slides if you want. Here's what this series is not. I want to make sure you understand this. And I said this last week. It used to be when I grew up in church, we would talk about these things and then we would like go, and then there's atheists and atheists believe this because they're morons. And we would laugh. And it was like, ha, 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 stupid atheist. Now it's reversed. 
Now it's, you have a lot of people that when you tell them you love God, they're like, oh, you, you cute little mind. You need a God to make you feel better. Here's what this series is not. This is not something you come in, you hear these things, then you go back and you slam them into your atheist friend's head. Or your parents or whoever it may be that believe that. This is a series for you. This is to encourage your faith and help your faith because you're going to go through tough times. You're going to go through rough times. And if you don't know what you believe, it's very, very easy to walk away from it. Very easy. So let me pray for us. God, we love you uh, so much. God, we thank you that we get to talk about this. Um, God, I pray that we would, uh, we would hear it. Um, God, I know there's just a bunch of different levels of faith in here. Those that don't believe at all, those that were dragged here, those that are just thinking maybe it's possible. Um, God, I pray that you'd work in all of us right now. Um, God, I pray that you'd show us the truth that we need to hear. God, I pray that uh, tonight that we would all walk away with something, uh, that there'd be something that kind of gets our minds going so that we can understand more of who you are and what happens when we walk away from you. God, we love you so much and we thank you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.